the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Brian Patrick O'Hara, Chief Market Analyst for Briefing.com. Patrick, what's the most important thing that you're looking at right now in these markets? Earnings. Um, and I okay. say that because I'm a fundamental analyst and I'm watching what's going on um, uh, not only with the earnings that are being reported, but with the guidance that's coming out of this reporting period. And uh, and in uh, my estimation, neither of those things is uh, very good or very supportive for the equity market right now. I heard a phrase that isn't used often, an earnings recession. Do you feel that we're in an earnings recession or starting one? Um, I do. I think, uh, you know, we've seen two straight quarters now of, uh, of earnings declining, and we're looking at a uh, the first quarter estimate right now, according to S&P Capital IQ, calls for a, a 4.6% decline in uh, earnings per share growth for the S&P 500. So that would be the third straight quarter of, uh, of negative earnings growth. So, um, you know, so, yeah, I think you could qualify it as an earnings recession, but at you know, really what you're looking at, though, is just a period of where, uh, even if you don't accept that view of things, uh, clearly earnings are not good right now, and the trajectory for earnings is, is not good right now. And, and companies are, are struggling with a lack of pricing power. They're uh, struggling with a lack of uh, lackluster demand, um, and uh, they continue to struggle, uh, the U.S. multinationals anyway, with the uh, continued strong nature of the U.S. dollar, which is making things difficult for them. You've warned people, and I'm not going to say warned. You've talked about being cautious uh, for the better part of about 12 to 15 months, in my estimation. Mm-hmm. I got an email yesterday from a woman who's 75 plus years old, and she goes, "Do I go to cash?" I'm like, "Ooh, <laughs> no. Is this a little bit late? Should she have been tinkering with utilities and tinkering with, you know, being more defensive, raising a little cash?" Um, what do you do now if you're, you know, in the snapshot of the market in real time versus what wise investors should have heard 12 to 15 months ago? Yeah. Well, you know, I think right now um, that, you know, if you look at your holdings and if you're still sitting on some positions that have made some, you know, really nice gains in spite of, you know, this pullback we've seen here, I don't think it's unreasonable to start scaling back a little bit on some of those real big winners. Um, uh, But if you, of course, have that longer-term orientation, perhaps what you do is you rotate into some of those really beaten-down areas uh, that have, um, you know, arguably some pretty good upside potential over the long term, meaning the next, say, five-plus years. Um, So that naturally leads you to areas like energy, uh, materials, um, some of the retailers, of course, uh, 
some of the transportation companies. So it, it really, you know, uh, boils down, I think, obviously, to what one's risk tolerance is, what their time horizon is, and I think, uh, you know, where they are in terms of, uh, of their cash needs. So obviously this 75-year-old woman has much uh, different needs uh, than, say, a 25-year-old who uh, is, you know, looking to start planning for retirement here. So uh, it's, it's going to be a hard call because it's such an individual case of things here. But in a broad view of things, though, I can say from my vantage point, I'm not really liking the fundamental outlook at this point in time, and I'm not convinced yet that the tide has turned there for uh, fundamentals to start improving. Uh, I'll come around to that viewpoint when I start seeing more sustainable uh, positive uh, data points in the economic releases and and when I see a convincing turn in the earnings estimate trend, which is uh, still in a state of decline right now. Today we saw oil crash beneath $30 a barrel. Is that a big story to you? If so, why? Or no, why I, I think the well, I think the bigger story will be if you get oil crashing below $26 per barrel or so, which okay. is, I believe, what the most recent low is. So I think what we're in here now is we had such a strong move off of that low, I think it was on January 20th or so, um, in oil prices that was – driven purely by headline speculation, right? You certainly didn't get anything helpful uh, with respect to inventory data in the past week, uh, but the, the, the mere idea that OPEC and non-OPEC states might be open to the possibility of, of working out some type of production cut agreement was enough to jumpstart a, a really strong rally off of, uh, you know, what was probably a short-term oversold condition. But, of course, you see the strongest rallies occur in bear markets, and oil is most certainly in a bear market right now. So I think what you're seeing unfold right now is the reality that you know a potential production cut agreement is not going to be not going to happen easily here, and uh, and you're seeing just a I think a normal correction within this uh, lower trading band that oil is now um, uh, working its way through. It's probably a little too early to get a year-end prediction from you, but. How about maybe a six-month prediction? I personally see different sectors kind of correcting, different stocks kind of correcting. Some of them aren't. Some of them are being stubborn and hanging in there. Uh, but it feels like we're in a correction where it's kind of rotating around here and there, and maybe we'll settle down sometime between one and six months. But, again, that's just very off the cuff. What do you see? Yeah, well, what, do you think? Uh, what we're seeing unfold here in the early part of the year is the outperformance of the relative strength uh, of the counter-cyclical sectors, um, that is, those sectors that tend to hold up better in, in periods of economic um, downturns or certainly just in volatile periods. You know, that'd be the telecom services sector, the utility sector. Both of those sectors are up more than 5% here uh, to start the year. Consumer staples are down, to, you know, a little less than 1%. Um, healthcare is, is one that's interesting because it's certainly in that countercyclical group, but it's actually underperforming the market here is uh, one of the key components of that group. The biotech stocks have certainly had some difficulties uh, as the market is starting to adjust to this idea that they're not, it's not willing to pay for, for growth at any price anymore, uh, given what's going on in the broader economy and the fact that earnings estimates are, are, are still you know, in a state of decline here, so it's being a little bit more discerning about what it's willing to pay up for 
And we've seen that in spades with respect to the responses to the earnings reports from the likes of Facebook and Under Armour and, and now Alphabet. Um, when companies put up some truly strong growth, um, there's clearly a lot of demand for those uh, stocks because I think it also uh, shows just how desperate this market is to find some real good growth stories in this uh, current environment. So, um, But really, it, it it also speaks to the idea that I think through the first six months of the year here, certainly, um, you will have a, quote, stock picker's market here. I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of delineation between uh, what companies, uh, institutional investors really want to own at this juncture, uh, as opposed to just going in with a, you know, an indexing type strategy or, and buying a you know, basket or an entire sector. Um, so, um, so I think this first six months here, we're going to have a lot of volatility. Um, and I think it's going to be a tough road here for the equity market because, as I noted earlier, the uh, trends in the economic data and the earnings estimates just really are not supportive yet to jumping in uh, with a full head of steam here to buy in this dip. You mentioned indexing may not be the strategy to employ for the first six months of the year, but if you're still looking out 20, 30 years until retirement, 10, 20, 30 years until retirement, would you be indexing or would you be stock picking? Yeah, well, you know, it's hard to argue with with the data, right? I think it shows that indexing has 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 done you just fine, you know, over that type of time horizon. So, uh, so no, I'm not disavowing, you know, the uh, index strategy here for from a longer term vantage point. I just think that, you know, in you get these periods every now and then. Uh, they can last a year. They can last six months. It just depends. But I think right here in early uh, 2016, we're starting to see that uh, it could be a a more challenging year to outperform with an index strategy than it would be otherwise with more of a, a stock-picking strategy. Anything else that you're working on, Mr. O'Hare, that you think is important to bring up, um, give us a little insight on? Uh, anything? Yeah, you know, one thing I'm going to be tackling uh, in my big-picture column this week is the idea that um, uh, this is not March 2009, uh, and that's not a good thing, right? Um, and I tease that with given that uh, in March 2009, obviously, things were, were really falling apart. And uh, in the market, with the Fed action, uh, extraordinary action in March 2009, the market seemingly turned on a dime and didn't look back, you know, over the next five, six years. Um, but I think the, the, the problematic point today with this not being March 2009 is that in March 2009, you had uh, a much lower earnings multiple, uh, that was certainly much more attractive for stepping in and buying stocks over the longer term. Um, and you had a number of uh, other items here that supported that buying interest, and one of which was this notion, I think, that uh, the market still thought that the Fed, you know, was the savior. You know, it could come in with some extraordinary policies, which they did, to help turn the tide of sentiment, which it did. Uh, but now we're at a point where uh, I don't think the market has as much faith in the Fed as it once did. Uh, and that's going to be an issue here uh, in terms of trying to get this market jump-started in the absence of any uh, real strong earnings growth, and given that P.E. multiples are still uh, not that attractive right now. Do you think the Fed might have quantitative easing four up their sleeve if need be? Well, you know, they, they've said that, look, they'll, they'll still entertain all options at their disposal here. But I think the bigger point is that so if they come out with QE4, uh, is the market really going to be all that jazzed up by that, knowing that QE1, QE2, and QE3 didn't essentially uh, help 
the U.S. economy uh, reach the promised land of escape velocity? I don't think so. I, I think you need to see, uh, you, know, you might get a short-term pop on something like that, but I think ultimately this market is starved for real growth, uh, quality earnings growth, uh, and until it gets that, I think it's going to be very suspicious of any actions on the Fed to try and accommodate us even further. Chief Market Analyst for Briefing.com. He's genius. It is Patrick O'Hare. You can read his columns. I read his columns at Briefing.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.